What's your favorite Sondheim musical? That's a great question. Um, I mean, it's tough because I adore Sondheim, so it's really hard for me to pick like a favorite. Um, I mean, I guess if we're counting West Side Story in the canon, it would have to be that one, like ultimately. Right. Um, but other than that, I mean, I love Company. I saw the revival on Broadway. It was great. Um, I love Sunday in the Park with George. And I, I do love Into the Woods, the second act more so than the first act. Sure. So. Yeah, I would have to say we have to include West Side Story in the canon. Right. Um, that's definitely my favorite. I mean, it's it's Bernstein's musical. But Sondheim, it doesn't exist without Sondheim. Right. And then, I don't know, maybe Sunday? Yeah. I It's weird. Like, I love the idea of Sondheim. Mm-hmm. I never can fully get into a lot of his work for some reason. Right. Oh, actually, you know what? It's Company. That's my favorite. Not co-op? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to any any um, Documentary Now fans God, out there. God, co-op is so good. I listen to the I listen to that all the time. Can we watch that later? Absolutely. With fucking, come on, Paula Pell as... <laughs> if, if you're as listen- Elaine Stritch. If you're listening to this and you have not watched the Documentary Now on um, called Co-op, do it. Just it's do so it. Good. It's watch any episode from. I mean, yeah, any of them. Amazing. They're they're all really great in their own right, but that one especially, it's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good, it's so good. Um, but yeah, no, I possibly because of co-op, but I do love Company. Yeah, I think it's really good, and I I've listened to the original cast recording, and I love Elaine Stritch. So I think we're a little biased too because we live in New York, and it's like a love letter to New York. Yeah, so it totally is. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Sweeney Todd? You mean the Demon Barber of Fleet Street? Oh, yeah. That's the one. Sondheim himself wrote Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And we got a 2007 um, proclaimed musical slasher film is what it's listed as. (laughs) Which, like, sign me up if I didn't. I mean, I had seen... I know I know Sweeney Todd, but if I hadn't seen that, if I saw musical slasher film, I would have been like, sign me up. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's directed by Tim Burton, and it's it, the second you see it, you know it's directed by Tim Burton. You don't even need to know that. Um, <laughs> Look at the two leads and guess. Yeah. And so the the musical was on uh, Broadway in 1979. It was a Tony. It won a Tony Award. Awesome, awesome musical. I it might be one of my favorites too. I I just I kind of love. The darker musicals, of course, like I love Heather's, I love Bat Boy, and so Sweeney Todd is is definitely up my up my alley. So. Yeah, yeah, we do love our uh, our sort of horror adjacent musicals here. I think it's fun. It's weird. It's almost like it's the theme of this month, right? Yeah. No. Who who chose that? <laughs> I, me. It was me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Facts. So I'm Nicole. I'm Tover. And we're the Horror Babes. Accurate. And let's get into it. So I'm just going to give us a quick rundown of our format here. We're going to be following that normal format. That is, Tover's going to take us through who made this thing, shout out the cast and the crew, and then I'll take us through the plot. And then we'll analyze said plot and make our points and leave. Yeah. So. I got shit to do today. (laughs) Without further ado, Tover... Who made this thing? Well, we've shouted out a lot of them already. True. Um, yeah, so it was originally written by Stephen Sondheim and Hugh Wheeler. Uh, but as for the adaptation, it, like you said, it was directed by Tim Burton. Um, and then John Logan and Christopher Bond worked together on the screenplay and musical adaptation, respectively. Yeah. Uh, Tim Burton, if you don't know him, that's kind of weird. Uh, but it's very weird. It's very weird. Yeah, so he did Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Night Before Christmas, Ed Wood, Sleepy Hollow, Corpse Bride... Uh, in Dark Shadows, he also did uh, the first two Batman films with Michael Keaton, uh, Batman and Batman Returns. He's known for, you know, big eyes, large heads, wafy women. Yeah, there's now a TikTok filter that's Ew. Tim Burton character. Ew. But he likes, like, grim, dark, but cheeky is his style. And this is really no different. This is probably his most straightforward movie outside of, like, Big Fish. Yeah, he definitely kind of leaned into like the steampunk of it all yeah. in, in this adaptation. I like a couple of Tim Burton's films. I wouldn't say he's like my favorite. I do respect that he's kind of come up with this like very specific 
aesthetic and has kind of stuck with that almost almost no matter what like obviously batman is a little different but i don't like i i respect the fact that he's come up with like this aesthetic but i wouldn't say that i enjoy all of his movies like edward scissorhands is really fun for me and also oh what's the other one that i like beetlejuice beetlejuice (laughs) oh well now we said it three times god damn it beetlejuice 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 (laughs) where's michael keaton Oh, I do love Michael Keaton, and I love Beetlejuice. I can't um, believe I forgot the name of Beetlejuice. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling. We literally watched it the other day. I'm clearly struggling today. It's fine. We all are. You know, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a fan of his generally. I I like him when he's not doing him. Right is what I, I'll say. Like, I love Batman and Batman Returns. I think they're really good films. Like, they're fun. They're dark, but they're like Art Deco. It's they're interesting. The characters, the character design's really cool. He doesn't pull away from like the grossness of Gotham. Yeah, um, and I like that. You know, I thought that was um, I thought Michael Keaton was a really cool choice for Batman. You know, yeah. But generally speaking, I don't I don't like his aesthetic. Beetlejuice, I enjoy, but for the acting, not for the. Um, I think I just respect that his brand is really strong. Yeah, like, except for the fact that he literally said black people don't fit in my aesthetic. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's obviously <laughs> not okay. That is obviously, like, not okay at all. And that, when I heard that, I was like, okay, that's... Bye. Bye. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't need to watch, you know, any of your movies if you're going to say that. Like, damn. Right. But aside from that, I... I I do respect someone who doesn't, like, water down the brand. Fair enough. Yeah, no, he he made a choice early on and stuck to it. Yeah. And I respect his use of stop motion um, early on. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. As someone who really does enjoy stop motion animation, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. But that's kind of the best I can say about him from my side as a director. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a notor, and he made his choices, and I just don't agree with them. You know? Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing when you have such a strong, such a strong brand, racism aside like it's yeah what a mess that is i fucking hate that he said that um yeah i mean it's people are either gonna love it or or hate it he's very divisive yeah Yeah. people are like i mean if they're if you're i always called them hot topic kids like tim burton fans and hot topic kids are it's the venn diagram is a circle yeah that's true um but yeah the movie stars someone else i've never also never gotten on board with uh johnny depp as the titular sweeney todd uh, we have Helena Bonham Carter, who I love. As Mrs. I know. Lovett. I was about to say, she's kind of like the saving, the saving grace here. I, the actors, the acting's really good in this. I will say that. No, the top. acting yeah. is good. And I love the people who are in it. So, but I'm I'm with you on on Johnny Depp. Not not a fan. Don't I, get it. I just don't get it. I liked I liked him in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, um, Crybaby. Crybaby. Uh, um, um, Gilbert Grape. Oh, what's eating Gilbert what's Grape? He, yeah, I have actually never seen that. It just sort of missed me. It's very sad. Yeah, I you, know that the you, I know the very heavy mom has to be like lifted out of the house. It's very sad. Um, but yeah, so we have one of my all-time favorite actors, Alan Rickman as Judge Turpin. Rip. Uh, Timothy Spall as Beetle, another person who I adore and I think is so underrated, Sasha Baron Cohen as Pirelli. This that's probably it's that's probably my favorite casting decision that He's was made. He's the strongest singer in this. Because um Johnny Depp was unfortunately a very obvious choice for Sweeney Todd, but one that I don't ne- didn't necessarily enjoy. Um, I kind of personally like it when like a bald, larger man plays yeah, Sweeney Todd. Yeah, I don't need a dashing man. Yeah, because I also I also kind of always find it a little bit fun when like a literal barber is bald. Yeah, just like it's you know. it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great. good visual joke. And then. Um, Helena Bonham Carter is also was the obvious, the most obvious choice for Mrs. Lovett, but I actually enjoyed that obvious choice. So yeah, it's kind she, of like she sells the role really well. Yeah, it's kind of like opposite for me. And then, but then I think um, choosing Sasha Barrett Cohen as the um, Pirelli was genius. Yeah, and I love that they got hooked up again uh, together again in Les Misérables. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. and I love their Master of the House is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And our last couple, we have Jamie Campbell Bauer, a.k.a. Vecna. I know, when you and said one, that, I was like... <gasps> I was staring at his face like, I fucking know you. And I was like, oh, right, Stranger Things. Which is so funny because in this, you know, he's kind of like, you know, he's like the male love interest. So he's supposed yeah. to be like super cute. Um, mm-hmm. And then you remember that he's Vecna. And you're just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he plays Anthony. Yeah. Uh, Laura Michelle Kelly as Lucy, Sweeney Todd's late wife. 
and Jane Weisner as Joanna. Yep. Sweeney Todd's daughter. Mm-hmm. Or Benjam- Benjamin Barker. Benjamin Barker's daughter. Mm-hmm. We have one of my absolute favorite cinematographers for this movie, Dariusz Wolski. Hmm. Uh, Polish cinematographer. Poland's put out a lot of good cinematographers over the years. Um, but he's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. he is just... God. Um, he is another one who came from the music video circuit and made his way into a feature film. Yeah. But he did A Perfect Murder, The Dark City. He did the music video for Eminem's Stan. Um, the Mexican, which is an underrated uh, film, for sure. He did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, but he also did... Like, he's worked with... Uh, he's worked with... Johnny Depp and with Tim Burton a good few times now. Right. Um, but he also, like, he shot one, the second Sicario movie. He's also worked with um, Ridley Scott a few times because he did Exodus. He did The Martian. Um, he's He's got a really good eye. Um, I have a, I, have, I, I really like the way he sees things. I don't love all the movies that he does, but it doesn't mean that they aren't gorgeous, you know? Yeah. Our editor, because I always want to bring up editors because I love them, because uh, I hate doing it, <laughs> is Chris LeBinzen, mm-hmm. uh, another one. He's, he's been in Tim Burton's crew forever. You yeah. Know, you, we've talked about this a hundred times. Directors stick with their editors. When they find one they like, they're like, nope, you're mine. It makes sense. It probably, I mean, once you know how someone works on both sides of the coin, like, it just yeah. saves time. Oh, totally. <laughs> oh, I forgot about, I always forget about Mars Attacks. Sorry. I always forget that Tim Burton did uh, Mars Attacks, and I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, our production designer, because we're going to talk about that as well, was Dante Ferretti. Um, Italian uh, production designer who's done everything. <laughs> he's worked yeah. with Scorsese a bunch. He's worked with uh, Burton a couple of times. Um, he's just been around. He, he started off in Italian cinema and then made his way over to the States and has done a good few things here as well. I was, I, th- I'll talk about this more lately, but the, later, but the, uh, the original director of this was going to be Sam Mendes. Hmm. who I think is amazing. I love Sam Mendes as a director. Yeah. Um, even though he's just a big budget guy, but he does, he just makes really cool, smart choices, I think. And I would have loved to see his version of that. Um, Richard Zanuck was our main production uh, producer here. He uh, he was the one behind this, putting up all the money for it and saying like what goes and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a Zanuck company. Um, and then uh, distributed from Paramount in the States and Warner Brothers Abroad. Like you said, it came out December of 2007. Um, runs about a, just shy of two hours, which is hard to do for a movie musical to get it under two hours. Yeah. Um, budget was $50 million, so nice mid-budget movie, but it made back 153.4. I went and saw it in theaters. I did not. I did. <laughs> Me, my mom, and my sister. Everybody I knew in high school was going like, oh, we got it, because like, I was hanging out with all the theater kids at that point. Because um, I'd kind of quit sports at that point after a bunch of injuries. So. And became a nerd. <laughs> oh, I always was. Um, but yeah, that's enough from me for now. Why don't you go ahead and tell me uh, what the hell happens in this damn thing? Okay. Um, so we start out in 1846, a long ass time ago. <laughs> Jesus. A long, long time ago. Benjamin Baca, a barber. <laughs> He uh, arrives in London. He's with Anthony, Anthony Hope, which, okay, Stephen Sondheim. Seriously. <laughs> like, seriously. He names his character so obviously. Anthony Hope, yep. So we learn that 15 years earlier, he was falsely convicted and exiled to Australia for life by, um, by Judge Turpin, who lusted after Barker's wife, Lucy. So it's like, why do you think he got, you know, exiled? <laughs> yeah, obviously. transportation was a thing that was used as a tool against poor folks from the rich. Judge Turpin wanted to crack on with Lucy. <laughs> crack on. I yeah. like that. I've been watching Love Island. Um, <laughs> uh, but he didn't have the bants, so he had to get rid of have, Benjamin. Didn't have the bants. So then Ben Barker, that's his new name now. We're oh. on we're on nickname basis. <laughs> ben Barker, he escaped from his prison and he adopts this alias Sweeney Todd, which I'm like fascinating that that's the name that you gave yourself like cool i'm on board but i'm just kind (laughs) of like what was what were the other potential names did you have like a list of three to five and then decided (laughs) that sweeney todd was more you you know like i really need to know because i'm i'm just fascinated like if i were coming up with an alias First of all, it'd be really fun. Maybe yeah. not in this situation where no. he like kind of has to, but like right. if I was just like, I want a different name. That's why I like Jean Valjean. Yeah. It's just like, yep. Jean Valjean. Easy. 
Nicole Val Nicole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. No, I guys. loved it. I loved it. So anyway, he goes back to Fleet Street, um, his shop, and which is above uh, Mrs. Lovett's, uh, Nellie Lovett's meat pie shop, where she sells the worst pies in London. <laughs> um, she tells him that once he was exiled, Turpin raped Lucy, who then poisoned herself with arsenic. Mm. And um, that Joanna is now uh, their daughter, Lucy and Ben's daughter, Joanna, is now the Turpin is now Judge Turpin's uh, ward. So Todd is like vows revenge. She screams a lot and then <laughs> um, reopens the barber shop after Mrs. Lovett, um, who is in love with him. Head over heels. Always has been. You can tell. Mm -hmm. Um, Presents him with his old straight razors. They're some gorgeous razors, I must say. (laughs) And that's, I think that's when he he sings My Friends or something. Yes. Yeah. Very creepy song. Awesome song. Love that. Anthony, of course, it's love at first sight. He's enamored with Joanna, but he's then caught by Turpin and uh, he's driven away by by Beetle, Beetle Bam, Bamford. Yeah. So... Todd then uh, goes to, like, I guess it's kind of like the town square where this um, Italian or faux Italian barber, <laughs> he's definitely a grifter, right? Yeah. Um, we ad- love a grifter. Oh, yeah. So fun. Um, Adolfo Pirelli's hair tonic. Um, he says, like, this is a fraud. It's um, It smells like piss. Piss with ink is, like, one of the lines. And he, you know, he calls him out as, basically, as a grifter, as a fraud. And he then humiliates him in this, like, public shaving contest, which I was just like, wow, we had nothing to do back in the (laughs) 18-whatevers. Like, damn, just, like, watching people see how fast they can shave. The shaving contest, it's judged by Beetle Bamford. Uh, then a few days later, Pirelli arrives at Todd's shop with Tobias Rag, who's like this little boy. And then um, Pirelli identifies himself as Todd's former assistant, Davy Collins, and threatens to reveal um, Sweeney Todd's secret unless he gives him half of his earnings. So he, then he, he hits him, he knocks him unconscious with this tea kettle, hides him in a trunk, and then later slits his throat um, when he finds that he's still alive. Yes. Fun. We're having fun. This is great. Hey, it's great. You know, um, slasher. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, so then after getting advice from Bamford, uh, Turpin visits uh, Sweeney Todd for grooming with um, intent on marrying Joanna. So then he's shaving Turpin. He's right about to slit his throat, but then they're interrupted by Anthony, who um, is revealing his plan to elope with Joanna before noticing that Judge Chirpin is there. Right. And so he's fucking pissed and he's like, I'm never coming back here. The company you keep, blah, blah, blah. He storms off and then this sends Sweeney Todd into a, an absolute rage, swears revenge on the entire world. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill all of you (laughs) until I can kill this man. So then um, Mrs. Lovett gets the idea to bake his victims into pies and rigs his barber chair to drop the bodies through the trap door into her bakehouse, which I just, I love this story just as a horror story. It's just funny. Like, it's but honestly, like it's a good horror story. Like the barber and the meat, sh- and the meat pie shop working together. It's got the perfect to amount. To make everybody cannibals. It's got the perfect amount of like dark comedy, but also like the stage show is so... Like the the dark comedy of it all is very like in your face, right? Which is great because it it kind of distracts you from from what they're actually doing, and then you remember it, and you're like, oh god, yeah. why am I laughing at? <laughs> like it's kind of great, yeah. Um. So then Anthony uh goes to search for Joanna uh, because Turpin sent sent her to an insane asylum. Um, once, you know, he found out that she was going to elope with Anthony. So the barbering and pie making business is going, you know, they're doing their thing. They've got their whole system. Mrs. Lovett makes Toby, um, Tobias now known as Toby, Mm -hmm. um, her assistant and tells, um, tells Sweeney Todd that she plans to marry him and move to the seaside. Um, and he's like, whatever. Um, I just want revenge and that's it. He doesn't give a shit about... He doesn't... He, he's not in love anymore. He doesn't want to love anybody. Yeah. Um, 
So then Anthony discovers Joanna where where she is, and following um, Sweeney Todd's suggestion, he poses as a wig maker's apprentice to rescue her. So he's basically going in and picking like which blonde he wants. It's kind of it's kind of <laughs> creepy. They're all separated into like brunettes, redheads, and blondes, yeah. and, like in in a room. It's kind it's really creepy. Um, and then. Uh, Todd has Toby deliver a letter to Turpin telling him where Joanna will be brought when Anthony frees her. And then Toby, um, Toby is like, I don't like Sweeney Todd. There's something, there's something about him that I just like. He's weird. He's a little weird. And tells Mrs. Lovett saying that like, he's going to protect her. Um, and then Beetle Bamford, um, arrives at the pie shop and tells Mrs. Lovett that the neighbors have been complaining of like this stink from her chimney and um, Sweeney Todd distracts him with this offer of like free grooming and then ends up murdering him because he got too sus. Too sus. Too sus. And then um, Mrs. Lovett tells Sweeney Todd of Toby's suspicions and then the pair search for the boy who is now hiding in the sewers after finding human remains in Mrs. Lovett's bakehouse. So while all of this is going down, Anthony brings Joanna disguised as a sailor to the shop and has her wait there while he leaves to find Sweeney Todd. And then we, we, um, there's kind of been throughout like little scenes of this beggar woman who keeps coming in, but now she's kind of central in the plot. She enters the shop looking for Bamford and Joanna hides in the trunk. Um, the woman recognizes Todd, but upon hearing Turpin coming, Todd kills her and sends her through the trap door in the floor. And then Turpin enters and, um, Todd explains that Joanna had repented and is coming is coming to him and then offers him like this shave in the meantime so he can look all like nice for her and shit. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Turpin finally recognizes Todd as Benjamin Baga. And then <laughs> um, Todd sl- stabs him several, several times and then slits his throat to finish the job and dumps him into the bank bakehouse. Um Joanna comes out of her hiding place, still disguised, and Todd is about to kill her as well, but, uh, you know, obviously not recognizing um, her as his daughter. Uh, But then he's about to kill her, but then he hears Mrs. Lovett scream in the basement um, because Turpin isn't quite dead yet. He grabs at her dress. Yeah, how did he not, but yeah. It's kind of crazy, yeah. (laughs) And so, but, you know, obviously uses a plot device for Joanna not to die. Right. Um. And then Todd discovers that the beggar woman was his wife, Lucy, once he's down there with with Mrs. Lovett, which he assumed to be dead. Um, And he starts accusing Mrs. Lovett of deliberately misleading him so that she could have him to herself because she definitely omitted the truth. She didn't lie, but she omitted the truth. Yeah, she Um, said she took arsenic. She didn't say she died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of something fun to like dive into as well, just because you're like, who was like, was anybody wrong in that situation? <laughs> Maybe her intentions were bad, but he also assumed what she meant. So yeah. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Um, so of course, again, enraged Sweeney Todd, um, pretends to forgive her and dances manically with her <laughs> before hurling her into the bakehouse oven as revenge and then cradles Lucy's dead body in his arms. Toby appears and, um, Todd now wishing to die allows Toby to slit his throat with his own razor. Toby leaves as Todd bleeds to death over his dead wife. Roll credits. That's it. It's a good shot too. Yeah. Ooh. Fun. What? Yeah. What Fun. a what a plot. What a I know, plot. I know. Slasher. Slasher indeed. Yeah. I mean, I love this plot. I think it's a really cool idea. Um, and the songs are good. You know, it's Sondheim. They're not going to be bad, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I just don't think it's the most imaginative. Um, uh, telling of this story from again like a lot of the cast to the way that it was shot but also it's kind of what you're expecting from Tim Burton so I don't know I don't hate this movie but it's not one that like I, I think I've maybe including the time we watched it the other day I think I've seen it three times total like once in theaters when it first came out maybe once in between and that like I don't I don't have the desire to watch this movie yeah it doesn't do anything for me the movie itself doesn't like I, I, there's such a there's a lot of good things about it but the burtonness of it all is what turns me off yeah i just i don't really feel like watching it i if 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 a revival happened on broadway 
tomorrow or if they did something like at City Center or Lincoln Center or something, I would right. absolutely go see it because I love the stage show. I just think I just think this was like a little predictable and just a little bit unimaginative and mm-hmm. it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, you are in luck, by the way. There's oh. one coming next year. With, I thought I heard rumors yeah, about Josh that. Yeah, Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe Which, I forgot that. That's going to be an interesting cast. That's an interesting casting. I mean, Michael Severus played him back, what, 2005 yeah. 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 But I, I like Josh Groban, and it's going to be interesting seeing him as Todd. Yeah, I don't hate that. And then Annalie Ashford has definitely got that, like, kind of high energy off her rocker yeah. thing about her. So that could be pretty good. I mean, she's she... She seems kind of young to play Mrs. Lovett, but I'm not. I'm not mad about it. She's kind of become like a Sondheim girlie mm-hmm. now. Yeah, because she she's was, done a couple. She did yeah. Sunday in the Park with George with um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. And now, now doing Sweeney Todd. I'll, I'll go see it. I can't believe I forgot. I think that's what was in my head when I said yeah. that because <laughs> I was like, wait, I think it's actually happening. Yeah, but we'll see. What, like, there's plenty of good people to cast. I doubt they'll put Reeve Carney in as Anthony, but we'll see. No, <laughs> he's busy. He'll probably still be doing Hades Town. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I think this is a really cool story. You know, it was adapted from a penny like Sondheim when he adapted it. It's from a penny a penny dreadful series. Yes, um, from the time of the uh, the that it's set forever ago. Yeah, eighteen forty six, and it's had a bunch of different adaptations like this isn't the this isn't the first adaptation in film nor was Sondheim the first one to adapt it into something else you know right it's kind of um, like Phantom yeah with Andrew Lloyd Webber like he's not he's not the only one to not the first take, won't be the last yeah Gaston LaRoe's um story and make it something else yeah but he is like a he's he's another one of those like Jack the Ripper types or like the character of Sweeney Todd yeah. Um, and it's it's a it's a warning story about revenge. I think the stage production always has an epilogue, right? Where it's like the whole cast comes out and it's like warns you about revenge, even though everybody does it. Right. Which is not in this one, but I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, the writing is solid. The the the, the horror of it all is really good. Um, it very much is a solid horror film, which you were bringing up earlier, and I thought it was so, like originally we were we were going to do a horror or not on this, right? After rewatching the movie, I was like, "Yeah, no, it has to be. This is a straight up and down like analysis, right? Because it is a horror film. Oh yeah, it's, it it's shot as a slasher film. It absolutely is. Yeah. Um, and becoming the monster in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. But as you said, the uh, the stage show is not that. The stage show is very much it's a dark comedy. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely it's, played as such a little bit more. Um, and I think I think that kind of. Is driven by is driven by its medium a little bit more because I don't think that you could. I think it was the smarter decision to play this um, for the for film as more of like a horror slasher moment than playing up the comedy of it because the comedy works so well in the stage production because you can be as big as you want, you can be as kind of campy as you want. That's what's expected. You can't really do that in that intimate setting, um, or else it's off-putting in in the wrong way you know yeah i get that yeah so i think it was the right decision to kind of just like make it a little bit more straightforward and i think too uh as a movie movie versus like live on stage um production in a movie you can use cgi you can use like all of these things to kind of make it a little more gruesome and like realistic looking yeah on stage you kind of you know like you have the fun trap door where you have like you know a dummy falling down and like Mm -hmm. stuff but like you kind of have to set that up as kind of like a comedic thing or else it's gonna look silly yes does that make sense like you have to like in in film you can there's a nuance to it and a lot more options in that way to actually make it scary on stage it's a little bit more it's better to lean into the camp that's right. Right. Yeah. That's, like, I think that's okay. right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I see what you. Yeah. I totally see what you mean. Uh. Yeah. Because it's it's. The, I like that they do some of the camp early on. Like it. I don't know. The tone of this movie is a little inconsistent for me, just because of the way that certain actors were playing their characters. Again, that like Depp is being this very grim, dark version of Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Whereas you've Sasha Baron Cohen can't help but be like compelling and funny. And Pirelli's a foppish character. 
Like Pirelli right. is supposed to be ridiculous. Yeah, and, and I, it's it's it just feels a little out of touch in those moments. And I think it's because Burton doesn't totally know how to do comedy unless he doesn't know how to switch tones. Is I think what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because you definitely you want to keep um, you want to keep Pirelli and Mrs. Lovett as kind of like the comedic relief, where mm-hmm. like where like Sweeney Todd is like screaming and going on like this rampage and just like raging about how he wants to kill everyone, and and you just got Mrs. Lovett being like. Uh, uh, maybe let's just make some pies out of people. Yeah, we're already doing dark shit. We don't need this whole, like... And then you've got Pirelli who's just, like, a, just a grifter. And, yeah. And um, a silly one at that. Uh, I mean, the music is really playful for mm-hmm. both of them, for yeah. Mrs. Lovett. It's a lot of piccolo. It's a lot and of, like, plucked strings, like pizzicato and things like that. Yeah, there's like, a lot... Like, by the sea is full of pizzicato. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, and then, you know, you have... When you get to Sweeney Todd's uh, songs, they're very, they're very melodic. They're very um, legato. They're very mm-hmm. like, obviously like low, growly, like belty. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very dramatic. And Mrs. Lovett and Pirelli are kind of like the comedic relief in that. In that, and their their songs really um, showcase that as well. But I get what you're saying. I think I think that's kind of maybe. Uh, a bit of like a roadblock that was met when when they were trying to make this more of like a slasher film than play up the the campiness. I'm glad that they didn't mess with it, but um, I get what you're saying about yeah Tim Burton and, and and the lack of ability to kind of the nuance of being able to kind of have two things exist at one time. Yeah, he just doesn't do the switch very well. Yeah. He, and he, like I've seen a good amount of his movies and. I think I like his comedies best because I think that he actually does understand what's funny in a certain way. That's why I like Beetlejuice. That's why I like Mars Attacks. Like, they're funny. They're genuinely just like, ha ha, laugh out loud funny. Yeah. And all the way through. Like, there is a darkness to both of them. Like, people's fucking heads explode and Mars Attacks is gross. That movie used to gross me out as a kid. But it's not, the it's gross and that makes it funnier. And I think that's the same thing with Beetlejuice. Like, it's scary, but that just makes it funnier. Right? Yeah, it start. I mean, it literally starts with a couple dying because the dog moves from the plank. Yeah. <laughs> and their car goes into the lake or the river or whatever it is. Um, and so, like, even though I do like that he did do a slasher with this, I think he could have done a better job with a dark comedy, you know? Maybe. And I, But you can't ch- cast Johnny Depp in something and have him be, you know, a good actor. <laughs> I think I think it would have that had. Mean? I think it would have had to have been maybe someone different. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, Timothy Spall plays up the comedy of his character. Like Beatles, supposed to be funny, and Timothy Spall is very funny. He does like muling like gross people really well. I have a really random question that I'm very excited to ask, and I think this should maybe become a new one minute segment in our podcast <laughs> where would you put jack black in this film oh as beetle even though i love timothy spall there hmm. or as pirelli i was gonna say pirelli can be kind of fun for him or you know have him in drag and do miss love it that would be unhinged <laughs> um, <laughs> but actually i would like to see him as Sweeney todd i think that'd be fun It'd be interesting. He's got good. He's got great brows for it. Yeah, and he's he's got a beautiful voice. You're doing the Jack Black. I sorry, am, Nicole's doing the Jack Black brow wiggle right now, and it's very funny. The wave. But no, I would love to see him as Sweeney Todd, and I think he could play the dark comedy of it all really but nicely. That might become a, my new one minute segment. In, in this <laughs> where podcast. do I put Jack, Where Black do I put in Jack this? Black in this? <laughs> he needs to do more horror films. You're right. Yeah, um, and I'd like to see him play the villain because at the end of the day, Todd is the real villain. I mean, everybody's a villain in this movie. Yeah, uh, or in the story, like there's no good. Everyone's people. just fucking everyone over. Yeah, Joanna's the only person who's like not a bad person. She's just she's just locked up. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Singing to her birds. Singing to her birds. She likes singing to her birds, and she sounds like a bird. Mm-hmm. So do you think Stephen Schwartz ripped off uh, Sondheim? Because In what the way? so the ballad of Sweeney Todd, the but what does that sound like? It's in Wicked. It's the uh, Melikanaman. No, no good deed. Yeah, it's no good deed. 
Oh, I don't know. I think I'd have to listen. I couldn't unhear it when I was listening to the Ballad of Sweeney Todd. It's like, oh my god, Stephen Schwartz just ripped off Stephen. <laughs> I would have to. I would have to listen to it again. I don't. It's like I a couple know. notes off, but it's really close. Huh. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it, especially in the way like it punches through and everything. It's very similar, like uncanny. Well, speaking of that, at the end, I don't know where the battle cry final note of Defying Gravity actually came from, but Celine Dion in All By Myself sings the exact same thing. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I I don't know where it actually came from. Like it could it, like it's a very simple um it's not it's 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 not a complicated like riff or anything. No. But so it honestly could have just come from we need this to sound like a battle cry. Totally. And that was just how it came came to be but uh but no it's it, it when i i listened to i had never listened to the entirety of all by myself by celine dion i had only heard it like you know one version is in um bridget jones's diary and then i had heard some but when i listened to the whole song at the end <laughs> it's yeah. yeah yeah um so i said i wanted to talk about production design because i think it was really cool what they did here yeah i appreciate that burton didn't back away from it being bloody like Oh, yeah, it's bloody as fuck. Yeah, and I could have even used a little more, but, you know, it's good. It's really good. But its necks are just squirting everywhere. I mean, there's a jugular vein right there that he's slicing. Oh, yep. So I really love that they were like, okay, we so we're going to desaturate the color film because that's what Burton does. I was going to say, yeah. That's... Every, every single thing is done, he does is, like, desaturated. Um, but they had to use the, uh, they had to color the fake blood orange so it would read red on camera. Oh, yeah. We've and talked so, about that before. Yeah. And I, I just like talking about, you know, the design uh, behind things. Um, and then, yeah, having all the crew members wear <laughs> bin liners, so they, like, trash bags, so they weren't going to get, like, all their clothes stained every day. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that they actually did do the singing in set. They obviously ADR'd it later. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I thought it was really good. That they like it, you feel the power of those scenes because they are actually singing. Yeah. Even if, it, if even if it is done in ADR at the back end. Yeah. So you were talking last week about uh, when we were talking Phantom of the Paradise about how the music doesn't move that movie in terms of plot. Yeah, and this is this the, is quite the opposite. Yeah, where everybody's singing their subtext, which is which is Sondheim. Yeah. Like by like look him up in the dictionary. Like that's that's <laughs> by definition. Uh, yeah, like the. It's it's like a script just put to music, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. and with you know patter songs and everything in 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 it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, this is this is the ex- the exact opposite of it's not a movie with music in it, or is like you know in Phantom of the Paradise it was centered around a record label yeah so there had to be music there it's kind of it's, yeah. it's it's like Josie and the pussycats we talked about this last week but um the, yeah this is the opposite where the songs drive the plot like if we if this wasn't a musical and it was a play it would basically they would just be saying this the lyrics instead exactly you know yeah. like it's it's interchangeable in that way or at way. least they'd be like trying to emote some of the lyrics right because yeah. when you talk about singing subtext when you're doing a straight play, a uh, standard play, like you have to emote your feelings as opposed to say them out loud. Yeah. But that's one of, that's a weird thing about musicals is that you sing what you feel. Yeah, because saying it is no longer enough. <laughs> we feel big things. Yeah. So it definitely works as a horror film. We're talking, we've talked about that. The stage show never really has. I'd like to see something that's a little more in the horror vein yeah. as a stage production, but I think it'd be hard to keep your like the tension up for three hours it also to be to be quite frank um it just it it doesn't sell tickets like there's no longevity unfortunately like it would sell it would sell tickets for like you know uh the first couple of months maybe but it's Mm -hmm. it's not going to be like the lion king or frozen or you know um wicked where it's tourists are going to come back and see it and bring kids and you know exactly yeah which sucks um i would much rather see you know more creativity on broadway in general yeah yeah um <laughs> a new idea in a lot of once. ways in a lot of ways yeah can we stop making 80 80s and 90s movies into yeah 
in, into musicals. Like that being said, Heather's is amazing, but <laughs> well, yeah, there are exceptions, but it's it's just gone off the rails. Okay, yes, yeah, like it's too many. It's too many. Um, every single time I turn around, like they're making a Back to the Future one now. Yep. Like every time I turn around, there's a new one. So I'm and and the music's never that great, with the exception of of Heather's, and maybe a song or two from Mean Girls. Like yeah. It, uh, the one that started it all. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, so it definitely it, it, it works on all these levels, and I think it's really I, I appreciate it as a fresh take. I thought I would hate it more than I did, just because I generally am against Burton. Yeah. Um, and I've I've made my own comments about him in a number of ways, and I made them on this episode. But I, one one thing that absolutely just did not work for me was Johnny Depp. Yeah. Um. Again, I don't think he's a good actor. Uh, I think he's just a. A, a pretty boy who thinks he's really deep and is actually just an asshole. Didn't couldn't give two fucks about the actual craft of acting, but he, it was his voice for me. Like this, yeah. this is my problem when they do movie musicals is they don't hire singers. Yeah. Um. Even though they're doing very little acting, like all he had to do was put on makeup and put a shock of white in his hair. Yeah. And match pitch, but he couldn't even do that. You know. Like, he doesn't have to act. So yeah. you can get an actually good singer. Because, uh, like, like I said, uh, uh, when we were watching it, I think Alan Rickman and Sasha Baron Cohen do a fantastic job. Yeah. And and Jamie Campbell Bell is pretty good as Anthony. Yeah. Um, and I like the... I was so enamored of Helena Bonham Carter's characterization of Miss Lovett. Yeah. That I didn't really care that her voice was whatever. Yeah. She got the Angela Lansbury of it all, you know? I was about to say, Angela, Angela Lansbury, rest in peace, yeah. um, is is number one. Yeah, like, I mean, it, so the role fucking, was literally written for her. Just so fucking good. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I, it, as much as it achieves what it, what it set out to do as a horror musical, it doesn't, this is my, this, I don't like this version of the musical. Yeah. Even though I like the aesthetic of it, I think it's a cool idea to do it in this like kind of almost desaturated Sin City looking sort of thing and have the blood be the real color. It doesn't it doesn't land as the musical for me just because I think they it it hired a bunch of really good actors minus step to play roles that don't need a lot of acting. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and I think I'm also really tired of the vocal production that has become i guess since we've we i don't want to i don't want to necessarily call it like auto-tune but that's kind of what it is it's, it's this yeah overproduced sound that i don't know where this started but i can barely i mean obviously like i don't I watched like the first season of Glee, but I don't listen to. Oh, I never God. listened to any of the those. The worst things. thing to ever happened in musical theater. It sounds so produced. I feel the same way about like. It sounds canned. Yeah, I feel the same way about Pitch Perfect, Smash, um, all of these. You know, kind of like in the musical theater world shows. Um, I feel that I felt that way about um, what's her. Uh, what was that that. TV show with Skylar Astin and oh, Zoe's uh, extraordinary playlist. I felt that way about that too. Like everything, a, a lot of these movie musicals and also you know things that are in kind of you know the musical theater universe. It sounds so canned to me, and I think I kind of miss. Like I love older cast recordings, older Broadway cast recordings, yeah. because it's there's such like. There's there's such like a rawness to it yes. where it sounds amazing and it's but it sounds like you're there at the theater. Mm-hmm. And I miss that so fucking much like the um like the original uh the original Jesus Christ Superstar album is one. Oh, yeah. Another one um And that movie did a really good job of Letting them just sing and letting them do this rock musical about Jesus. The original um, Jekyll and Hyde recording is really great. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, it's, you know, I just don't, I don't really care if someone is, like, I want it to sound good, but I also want it to sound... Authentic. Authentic and, like, enthralling, like, these older Broadway cast recordings sounded like. That's why I cape so hard for the Les Mis movie. And I know I'm in the minority here when it comes to musical theater people, but they can all eat my butt. (laughs) Because I'm right and they're fucking wrong. 
uh, that was another like that to compare it to this, right? That was a movie that made really good changes to the script, right? But also in the tone, they changed the tone of it to match the original novel, as opposed to the sort of like shinier Broadway version, right? Rent has a really good Rent's yes. original Broadway cast recording is great. Like it, ju- it just should make you feel like you're at the theater. Yeah. But, you know... And obvi- that's what Les Mis did for me, and this doesn't. This makes me feel like I'm watching a, mo- a horror movie with a bunch of singing. I'm just so tired of people, like, of, of this, like, canned production, like, making everyone's voices smaller. Mm-hmm. That's like, exactly right, yeah. I don't... I hate it. I want to hear that, like, bigness. I want to hear, like... I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, I want to hear Anne Hathaway choking her way through I Dreamed a Dream. I'm not talking about the Les Mis movie anymore. I'm talking about the real, like, <laughs> It's the perfect comparison because I know what you're talking about. I'm Broadway. just saying, because this is a movie podcast, I want to talk about movies. I'm just saying I'm so tired of hearing this, like, canned bullshit. I didn't even yeah. think that, like, Les Mis, yeah, you heard, like, some emotion, but there still was something that they did in the studio that made me not... Like, I listened to the original Broadway cast of... Like, I would never go on Spotify and search for the Les Mis movie Oh, and that's the soundtrack. only version I listened to. I think it still sounds kind of canned. Nah, I think it sounds full and beautiful. And, like, the Into the Woods movie, too, sounded canned. Yeah. I just... I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And I understand it's a movie. It's not Broadway. But it does not make me want to listen to it when it sounds like you're you just like over compressed over compressed people's vocals mm-hmm. i get you anyway rant over <laughs> going to sleep now <laughs> good night uh, but yeah um any final thoughts on the movie i think i expressed myself i think you did so pretty fully yeah <laughs> yeah i mean for me it's it's not gonna be a rewatch um i didn't hate it it's fine. It's it is sufficient. That's kind of the best thing I can say about it. Like yeah. it didn't wow me at any point. I thought it was a ge- I genuinely I like the idea. I think it's a really cool idea. It makes me want to make one that's better. <laughs> I will say this too and I've said this not this month yet. It hasn't really come up, but I knew it would eventually. I've said it previously when we've talked about like when musicals have kind of crept into our conversations. Sure. I'm never going to judge anyone's pathway into their passion. Totally. Or their, like, if, you know, Broadway and theater is not always accessible, unfortunately, financially. It's just not. Um, I wish I live that here would. I go to maybe one show a year. I know. I wish that would change. I wish that, you know, there were more options and not these just like lotteries where you have to get lucky yeah. to win. I wish that there were just more. More ticket options. Like, I, I would love to just go on telecharge and actually just buy a $50 ticket, <laughs> you know, instead of having to, like, rush a show or something. But yeah. anyway, so that's why, like, when we when all of those, like, uh, musical, the live musicals, like, they did The mm-hmm. Sound of Music, they did Hairspray, they did, you know, like, all those. I wasn't talking shit on those because I was like, look, some, you know, uh, kid in, like, the Midwest or the South or, like, wherever... Mm-hmm could be watching this and could be like, I want to do that. Or I want to get more involved in that. I want to, you know, and it could become something that makes them happy. That is their passion is like all these things. So I'm never going to judge anyone's pathway into this. If this movie ignited your love for musical theater and got you like, that's your gateway drug. Like, great. I mean, mine was was from movie musicals too. It was from West Side Story. It was from Fiddler on the Roof. Mine was Jesus, from, Christ, like, Jesus Christ Superstar. The, that weird um, filming that they did of Donny Osmond and Joseph. I used to watch that oh, all yeah. the time. It was really weird. <laughs> Forgot but, about that. But also a little bit iconic. But anyway. Um, so, like, yeah, case in point. I'm not ever... I think I, I, I like that movies are... That musicals are... are being made into movies for that reason they're not always it's way like, more accessible to go to buy i mean we were kids seven dollar ticket but like you know yeah 15 20 ticket to a movie that as has multiple to, showings exactly right yeah and or like that you In can rent or whatever you know um yeah or stream or what have you right yeah i mean it's they're not always the best made movie but, but it makes you love it you know so except the phantom movie i hate that movie so i guess um 
I actually love that movie. But anyway, um, it is, but like in a good way. Um, But anyway, we didn't hire a single person who could sing. (laughs) Emmy Rossum? She is the only good part, but I can't even hear her because I can't deal with Gerard Butler being completely flat while she's a bit sharp. They hired the wrong Gerard. It should have been Gerard Way. We all know it. He was born to play the Phantom of the Opera. Come on. Actually, you know what? I want him as Sweeney Todd. (laughs) <laughs> it's a lateral move from Johnny Depp. You don't even have to hire hair and makeup. Like, yeah, he's he just, already there. He just comes. Yeah. He's, he's just already, just he's already got up. it. Not even wardrobe. You probably, you know. But anyway, wow. Uh, off the rails. Let's do a 2007, but all... Uh, a, two, a, a remake of this mu- movie musical. Keep the same, like, vibe and everything, but it's all emo singers who were popular in 2007. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, down. To, I'm on to an idea here. I think so. I think that's our ticket out. So anyway, you guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. We've got a website, horrorbabespod.com. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying our movie music, our horror movie musical month. And we've got one more for you. We've got one down more. The yeah. And it's and then it's gonna the be one ha- I'm most excited about. And then it's going to be literal Halloween. Like yeah. time, time flies when you're having fun. It sure does. Anyway, till next time. Bye, Bye, babes. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe.